This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here back, as always, finally, from seven and a half years since she last has been here, Kara Sismadia from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. I thought you quit on us. I legit did. Yeah, I just disappeared, went into hiding. No, I was at the cabin in BC. Fortunately for me, there is no Wi-Fi or cell reception or any of those things there. When I go there, I truly get to take time off and... No one can reach me, even if they try. It's awesome. It's a good perk. Welcome, everybody. We're here for our campground under show. Normally, uh, that we have uh, the third week of every month. Mr. Mike Harrison's here from CRR Lifestyle. Joe Dumag from At My Community. Simon Neal is here with us as a special guest. And I think we're supposed to have one other person here. I don't know if Sean didn't show up or not, but hopefully he'll make it here for the show a little bit later. Before we get started, I do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode. If I can find their little overlay thing, I believe it's Firefly Reservations. So they are an easy campground reservation software for RV parks and campgrounds, big and small. we got a brief little video we're going to play for them real quick, and then we'll be right back for the show. Just shout out to Firefly Reservations. Did you know most campers prefer to reserve online? Are you missing reservations? Firefly makes it easy to run your campground and accept reservations online anytime. With Firefly, you can quickly message campers, simply handle ongoing reservations, and automate emails and payment processing, giving you back time to run your campground. You can start your free trial today. No credit card needed. Visit FireflyReservations.com to learn more. All right, guys. Thank you again for Firefly. I really appreciate you guys sponsoring it. If you want to learn more, check out their website. What are we going to talk about today, guys? Lots have been happening. We're right in the middle of summer. Busy camping season again. You take it away, Kara. Like, you should lead this show. Yeah, I got a nice vacation. I'd love to hear how things are going for everybody. I've been away for a couple of weeks. I know I have been back since Monday and then hearing some great things for some parts up here. Some of our big events, Calvary Stampede and lots of music festivals and all of those things are back finally for us up here in Canada. And so that's having a positive impact on a lot of our member parks, which frankly, has been, there's been some concern the last couple of weeks about been talking lots about gas prices and inflation and all of those things. And that really potentially having some impact on reservations and stuff. So these events and stuff coming back has been really positive, I think, for those parks who are walking this interesting journey right now with trying to balance all of that stuff but i'd like to hear from you like really i guess wait how are things down there for you guys we're actually in slow season because you know the death of the sun hits all of our properties but it's interesting we're actually we're up slightly in revenue over the last couple months year on year we're up considerably in july however the mix is very different so we saw a lot less of the short-term transient guests. And actually, we have more bookings for long-term seasonal, which isn't surprising considering, obviously, the gas price changes and all the articles you read about people canceling their destination trips. And we are a short-drive destination mostly for LA and Phoenix and some of the other locations. So it's good. Clearly, a lower ADR doesn't help with the longer term, but the pace for the rest of the year and actually into Q1, which is our season, has been healthy. So we've had this cautious approach the last couple of months with gas prices in the short term, eh, the long term yeah. will be okay. And that's what it's been. Uh, not really any surprises from what we thought maybe two days ago. That's played out that way. Yeah, no, I agree. I think obviously just the dynamic right now, it's interesting. There's been a fascinating kind of shift in length of stay and those kinds of things that you need to watch. I think we should have Simon introduce himself real quick because Simon is our guest. He's here not as a regular participant, although maybe he ends up wanting to be, I don't know, from Europe. He runs a super cool company called Camp Map. Simon, do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Yeah, so I'm British originally, but I've been living in Croatia now for around 10 years, which is a real camping super hotspot in the European markets. And yeah, two years ago, I founded Camp Map, which is a startup that has a mission to map 
in super fine detail, all of the campsites in the world, and then share all of that information with as many people and companies as possible to help make the industry function better and improve guest experience. So when you say super fine detail, what does that mean? Because we obviously have seen all the different companies who do 360 tours and then site maps from satellite views and drawings. And so what does it mean for you? Yes, yeah, so there's lots of maps out there. They're all generic schematic and virtual tours are great, but they all lack real context and real structured information. So our maps are professional grades. They're built with professional software and we map every single feature we can see. So every single camping site, facility, building, track, path, pool, activity, anything that you can see in the site or interact with, we map that in a structured professional way and that Information then becomes accessible through our mapping app, which you can interact with and touch, upload information to, but also through our API. So we can share that with other apps. You mentioned virtual tours. The great thing about virtual tours is you feel like you're there, but you lack a bit of context. You get lost sometimes. So you can use our map inside the virtual tour. That's fine. And that allows you to switch between the two domains. <laughs> so you say your goal is to map all the campgrounds in the world, obviously a, a big endeavor, right? Yeah. How long does it take to scale? Do you have to have somebody in person to do this? What's the. Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And ideally we always visit a campsite or a campground that we want to map. That's the whole mechanics of that is included in our model and it functions, but generally we can map a campground in a couple of days with small, medium size, or maybe it's a week or two weeks. And then it's just a manpower issue being at the moment, a hundred campgrounds per year. We're a small team of company for a little over 12 months, but we want to scale that up to 1,000, 2,000 campgrounds a year that we're mapping and putting into our system and then sharing with everybody. Do we have a sense of, Kira, I think there's how many private campgrounds in Canada? 3,000? Yeah, there's just under 2,800 private campgrounds in Canada from coast that we're aware of. There's the odd smaller operation that I don't think we've counted yet. Counted? I think there's probably what, 4,000 ish. I don't know. Joe, do you have any idea? Oh, I think in the, in the U.S. Yeah, the number that I always hear, not necessarily private, but the number of campgrounds I hear in the U.S., typically people say 16,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just We're private. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't think. I guess Simon's going to do all of them though. So he's got to do all the, yeah. We're just trying to figure out how much work is ahead of you, Simon. That's really what yeah, I'm trying to do. Well, Europe is 28,000 in Europe, which are recorded and we know where they are and how big they are. And that's our first kind of mission. We're spreading quickly already, but we're very interested in the U.S. market too. But yeah, we've proven the concept of how we do this and how long it takes, how much it costs. And like I said, after that, it's just scaling it with uh, more manpower. Brian, I doubt he's limited. You're not limiting yourself to private programs, are you? If you had a deal with no. a municipality or a state province, you probably are completely good with that, right? Yeah, we're open to it. Like I said, we want to include every campground we can, and we want to do that in a standard way. So in the end, the data set that will be made is the same for every campground. The information that can be added or read from our database will be the same. So we'll form a really nice platform, or we call a digital foundation for all sorts of products that people want to build for reservation systems, booking systems, virtual tours, data analytics. We want to make our database available for applications like that. You know, to look at the industry in really super fine detail, figure out trends, figure out better ways of doing reservations, dynamic pricing, yielding, things to do in campsites, geocaching games, anything you can think of. That's the end users we see from our products. See, this is what I, kind of appeals to me to dive a little bit more into. And Mike, you do discuss data quite a bit. Joe, you've got obviously apps you design for campgrounds, and I'm sure you have a mapping functionality inside there. And you, I know you work with APIs a lot. So what are the possibilities here? If, if you're providing an API, I feel like mapping is great. And traditionally over here in, in at least the states in Canada, from what I've seen at most campgrounds, when we say mapping, it's a printed map and that's it or a PDF display of that map inside Joe's app. It's not really anything more than that. Am I correct, Joe? Or uh, Yeah, mostly, mostly. There's other things that we can do, but I would say, I, I don't know, I don't know all of the ins and outs of Simon's tool, but one of the things that we get asked for probably the most is site, uh, like directions to a site, not to a site, to a location. And so basically driving directions at a camper. 
That is a very common ask that we're, we, we get from our customers. And for us, that's quite a heavy lift. And so if we can integrate with a product that does that, that is a large positive to us. So driving directions to the campground itself? No, so driving directions or walking directions to, I'm at my site uh, or I pull up my app and I want to go to the bathroom. How do I walk there without walking to someone else's site? Okay. It's actually a very common ask that we get from the campground owners. Yeah. So that's one of our asks and we've solved that problem. So as soon as our map is made from your smartphone, when you arrive for check-in, you can get a QR code that's going to give you GPS navigation directly to your site, or you can search toilet, shop, restaurant, and it will take you anywhere you like. You wanna, Google Maps. Do you want to share one, Simon? Like you can share your screen if you want. I feel like yeah. we're just talking about it and it would be cool to just see it. Yeah, sure. Just give me a second. I agree. Because I like, again, there's so many people, companies doing maps, but if you can create, again, the open API functionality that then people can build things on top of or use that data, it opens the door to all kinds of crazy new things. Yeah. All right, so you... we can, yep. We can okay. see it. You can switch back to yourself or, but you have to scroll on the tab to make it work. Yep. Okay. So just right. Click so I'll you just, want. Uh, just pick a kind of a small, medium sized campground. So. This is our MVP, right? So we're only 12 months open as a company. So we're really working hard on the design and the UI and everything, but the data behind it and the function works. So you can zoom in and you see all of the roads here. You can see every camping site with a number, some icons for toilets, for the shop, for the pool. Where it gets really interesting is you can click on anything. So you can click on this site, I'll just maybe in a bit. Okay, and then you get basic information, the pricing tier, the size in square meters or square feet. And then you can click and you'll see a 360 photo. You can look around the site completely, see where the shade is and go back. And this works for any facility inside the camp. So here we have the pool. You know, we can go to more details. You get another picture. Or you can click on a 360 photograph. And then of course, every single feature, you have a go-to button, which you can click. Okay. I'm not actually in the campground. So this is maybe going to be a bit wild. See where we go. Okay. So yeah, it's taken the closest point in earth to this campground. And then it's showing me I need to walk around here to get to the pool. Or if I'm walking, I can go a shorter route. So GPS navigation is working. Adding data to any feature in the campsite is working. All of these features are super accurate. Exactly where they are in real life is what's shown on the map. And we want to expand to almost any amount of information, whether it's pricing, reservation information, opening times, <laughs> restaurant menus, whatever. You'll be able to input this into your own map and manage this yourselves as a campground. And then, of course, you can input, you can drop this map into your own website as an iframe or use our app or connect through the API to access all the data that way and do whatever you like with the maps. So I have a question. I'm probably your customer in a way. If I think about somebody like Campground Views at my community, your company, how do I sift through the multiple options? Because what I hear is I need three separate apps or, or programs at least. And then my head goes dollar sign. How do I figure out how many should I use? Which should I use? Which is best for me? Because what, and what I look at is, do I, is this cool to have, or is it a need to have? And then how do I figure out which one to select? And Joe can answer that too, because it's the same. Well, I'll say coming from my end, we're not the same product. We have right. a, we have a smaller sub feature that does some of this, but we like if we can't, and I don't see us ever being able to ourselves doing the end-to-end point-to-point directions. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, to interrupt. I should have clarified it. I meant all of the add-on features from online platforms. You're at my community, which is obviously the website skin or app skin, I guess a better way to put it. Campground views, Simon's product. How do I sift through what I need and what I should spend on? Okay, I'll answer it. <laughs> uh, nobody else wants to talk. I think it's really just an ROI perspective, Mike. I think it's just, and that's going to be different for every campground. And, and it's mm -hmm. not always ROI from a, does this get me more reservations, but does this get me more happier guests who leave better reviews, who spend more money, who come back more weekends out of the year, who do whatever. And so I think it's going to be different. Do you have a large subset of people who are asking for the enhanced features that Simon's map offers? 
do you have a large subset of people who are like, I wish you had an app at your campground. It'd be super cool to find activities. Do you offer activities? Or are you just more of a stop overnight type journey that might not need an app? So I think that's probably the, a generic form of an answer that I think you're asking. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And I think it's, we're going through those processes right now to determine campground views or camp app or camp map. Do we need a, an app, my community, or is our website good enough? And trying to understand what that, like you said, your ROI is and what we need versus what would be cool to have. How does that help us grow our functionality? So I know from our end, we haven't, we surely haven't looked to see how the ROI of a product like Simon's or campground views or campsite 360 or any of the other 360 tours. But what, in terms of what Simon is doing is one of, like I said, is one of the things that our campground owners are asking us for. So they've obviously felt the pain and the burden of that, those site, those point to point directions on their property that is enough that they've asked us about it. And this is probably, we've probably been asked that about 10 to 15 times by different owners that are customers of ours. And so that well, and it solves another problem too, right? It stops people from irritating other campers by cutting through their sites and going the wrong way and right. treading through grass that they shouldn't and walking their dogs places or whatever, driving their cars different places. Or, and there should be a way to avoid bears too. Can we tag bears at a rural campground and where the bear moves, like it automatically adjusts your route around the bear so you don't get eaten? It's possible, yeah. You just put a GPS collar on them and you can plug it into the laptop <laughs> Is that, is that included with your service, Simon? Will you put the GPS collar on? Premium level subscription, sure. <laughs> All right, deal. But yeah, like I think there is a lot of use cases here for it. So I think it's a really good question, Mike. And I don't think it's very easy to answer it in a short, condensed blanket statement for all campgrounds. Yeah, so one thing else. But I think it's really like just going to depend on. Yeah, go ahead. We have a very large campground in Myrtle Beach that we stayed at when we were very new. And so we stayed at this campground and I had at the time four children, they were all little and we wanted to do one of the activities. The thing is on the handout that they gave us, it was named something and once on the map and it was hard to find on the map anyway. And this is not an uncommon occurrence, right? And like, that's why we did certain things in our app is we ran into this problem. And so we made it so that you go to an act, you see an activity, you click on the map button and shows you where on the property it is. And then time it takes a little bit further and gives you direction or direction. And so that particular campground, we went to that activity and there was obviously no one there because the, the maps didn't match up. There was probably 10 people there and we were four of the children. But since then, that campground actually came to us and told us that we increased their activity attendance. And so you're spending a lot of money on labor for activities. And so if you're already spending that money to get more people involved in them is a big benefit. That's where they saw their ROI. Other campgrounds obviously see their ROI in a different manner. Yeah, I think just to add some of the feedback we got to our product is one of the huge things is the information problem, which you've touched on. Guests want to understand where things are in the campsite, camp rules, when shop opens, when it closes, what I can buy there. And in the past, it's asking reception or asking the staff, so you're cutting out that huge amount of workload and stress that gets put on your staff. So that's one thing. And the other thing is understanding how the campground is performing as a business. So I think now consumers really want choice. They want to see before they're buying. And what we want to do, this is the pain point why I create Camp App, is that I wanted to be able to see the exact spot in the campground where I wanted to stay before I booked. And we can enable that level of choice because we show the information. And then we also have the framework of a structure to capture occupancy per site. And it's up to the reservation systems to manage that, but our maps allow that to be managed visually for the guests so they can see before they buy, they can choose exactly which spot they want. And I'm sure they're going to pay a premium for that. If you say, okay, you can guarantee your exact site. It's perfect for your RV or your tent. It has mm -hmm. two treats for your hammock. Would you pay a $10 premium to book that site? I think most guests would. So. You can improve in that respect. And the second one is you're understanding the performance of campsite from feedback from guests, make it much easier. They can take a picture of a problem, send it straight to the app or ask them to review every single site or to see through the bookings, visualize as a hotspot, which my highest performing sites and lowest performing sites and why. And I think 10, 20 years from now, all of this information needs to be connected, talking to each other. 
and in a digital world. And I think camping industry is quite under digitized in that respect, that there's lots of generic information about campgrounds, very little about what's inside them, the really fine detail. And I think that's what we're trying to attack. And we think we can improve the business performance and the guest experience by doing so. Simon, do you see the same type? Oh, sorry, Brian. No, good. No, good. I was just going to ask if you see the same type of or level maybe of resistance by operators to allow the guests that freedom to choose their site that we see here. I have lots of campground owners who are very hesitant to give their guests that freedom of choice in their, on their property. Do you have, do you experience that same type of hesitancy in Europe? Yeah, it's the same and it's there. And I think it's because there isn't a better way to do yield management than mm -hmm. keeping everything quiet and stuffing people in the gaps when they arrive. That's one way to do it. That's not great for your guests. And I think the other way to do it is to show them the availability and say, look, if you want to book on these dates, which means we get a two day gap in this site, okay, then the price goes up to cover that gap. And you can say, if you come two days earlier, it's cheaper. Or if you want these dates, the price goes up. So I think that's the pushback is they see problems with yield management, but actually you can manage that much better through smart algorithms and dynamic pricing. So you end up well, maybe even making higher revenue. Yeah. I would also say that the varies by PMS system as well. We love letting our guests choose our site because we get site lock fees. So that's pure incremental revenue for the year and it's considerable. And actually Heather Blankenship did a session at the R of the outdoor conference a couple of years ago. And for some of her sites, she was charging a hundred dollars per, for a site lock fee, right? And you're talking tens of thousands of dollars and then an app, sorry, a PMS like CampSpot will also do grid optimization so that you limit the, you enhance the ability for overlap to make sure that it'll move sites that aren't site locked so that you don't have these big gaps of holes. And clearly you can turn it off and on as you want. But if you do allow the guests to pick those sites, you can charge whatever you want for a site lock fee. And that, that can be tens of thousands of dollars a year, which goes all to the bottom line. Absolutely. You think that has an impact on your increased Q2 numbers? Oh, no, we've been doing that since we opened. We modified it after we opened, but certainly every month we learn a little bit more about other incremental revenue. Simon had mentioned dynamic pricing and Brian's heard me mention this. I think in general, the RV industry is years behind everybody else with digitalized and revenue management, but they're starting to catch up in various degrees and dynamic pricing is a step in that right direction. So through some of the enhancements that the PMS system has or our own analysis, we've been able to grow incrementally every year because now it's, if you're sold out, you're just trying to maximize what you're sold out on, whether it's revenue or mix or site lock or ancillary revenue or whatever it might be. We talk about, and I think everyone agrees that the industry as a whole is a little behind technologically, but it's funny that we, the industry as a whole has jumped over what some of what a hotelier does because they don't have site, they don't have room lock fees too much. There's some boutique places that have something like that, but that is not, the dynamic pricing is extremely common. That's what they do, but they don't have locking in your room at most places. And so that's uh, where. It's jumped over that in that one technological place. Yeah, no, I, and you know what, I, I will say what is fun for me to see coming from 25 years in the lodging business is that the RV industry has all these startups popping up at my community and camp app and campground view. And it's fun to, in some ways they have eclipsed the hotel industry and some of the innovation and uniqueness and offerings of what you can. And mainly because there's not so many restrictions with brand requirements like a Marriott or Hilton or some of those things where you can integrate a lot more easily with the APIs, but it is definitely fun to see the camp camping world in many aspects, eclipse the hotel world and the innovation side, which is pretty cool because there's no, there's really very few hotels in the country and the world that, that have that level of detail like your app has simon your map has or, or joe's app so it's it is pretty cool to see how it's going i'd like to okay so let's propose this let's just throw something out there and put everybody on the spot simon first i want to know how much does this typically cost and i guess if you don't know the conversion that's fine we'll convert it later but in euros it's fine but how much does it cost a typical size medium size campground or rv park to get one of these maps done yeah, so we charge per site. So if it's a hundred sites, campground, 
it's one price and if it's 200, it's pretty much twice. We charge around $5 per site at the moment, and that's for an annual subscription. We have three levels, so that's down the middle price. And then we have an onboarding fee, which covers the first time we need to create the map, which is the highest amount of workload. And then it's that maintenance per year. So it's pretty cost-effective, we're selling pretty well. And I think the value is seen by the campgrounds we have. And that's for our map, you get an iframe, stick it in your websites, API connections, and all sorts of stuff. All right. One, I'm just curious, Joe, you work with a lot of small campgrounds. Mike, you obviously own a couple. Is this cost-effective for campgrounds? From what you've heard, Joe, is this able, is that numbers that you could digest? That's an annual price. Just to make right. it clear. $5, $5 per site per year. Yeah. Well, so it will, I, would, I would imagine for my customers, it would depend on what the startup price is and how many sites they have and their needs. So every campground owner is going to be different. Same with us, yeah. our pricing. We'll give it to one campground owner and they'll say, please don't double it next year because they would have, they would pay it. And then we'll go to another campground owner and will say, that is the most expensive thing I've ever heard. And everyone has yeah. different opinions. Yeah, just as a generic kind of blanket, like it's not reasonable to me. The pricing doesn't seem way out of line with the other type of mapping softwares I've seen. And so I would. Well, that's the thing. Like, it seems, uh, honestly, that's what surprised me. It seems in line with some of the other map things we've seen, but it's, but his is, it appears on the surface to be a little bit better and a little bit being maybe an understatement. From the traditional, not. Yeah, I think, I think for mapping for sure. Map. Ma straight yeah. mapping, definitely. But as Mike was saying, you have your trade-offs, right? Of your, what you're focusing on. Is it the map? Is it the 360 views? And then are you paying those together and doing both? And then how do they work together and meld together and how they look? All of that stuff is going to go into what the most important thing for the campground owner is. And it's obviously going to depend on the clientele they're bringing in, the types of amenities they offer, and if they're trying to provide ease of use while they're in the campground or ease of use before they get there. I think those are two different things and those two different products provide different things. I don't know, like the 360 tours, I think are a little less going to be used while you're on site, whereas Simon's map would be used on site. And then I think Simon's map is usable when you're picking, but a 360 tour might be a little more, a little more context than the end user. I think too, as, a, as an operator, you like. I know I worked with a few software management software companies and they build in map building fees and stuff too. I think as an operator, especially a smaller operator, you're in this position where like how many maps am I going to pay for and, and those kinds of things, right? It goes back to what Mike was saying about using all of the, this variety of tools. It does end up getting, I think for some operators to a point where it can be cost prohibitive to choose multiples. Sure. That's well, yeah. why I asked. Yeah. And that's why I asked the question in the beginning, because I think every campground owner is going to ask the same question is which one do I need and how much? So I started, of course, Googling as Simon's talking, I'm looking, and then I've looked at Joe's product a couple of times and I've looked at campground views, and then we're working with CampSpot on their API. And all of a sudden I'm up to $12,000 and then another six grand annual. And so that's a lot to add in a year. And I'm a larger, a larger resort, obviously. So those are the things that you have to balance what you want, what your needs are. And, and as Joe mentioned, it's going to vary depending on campground, what you want, what you need and what you have. If somebody doesn't have a PMS like camp spot and they've got something with less offerings, it doesn't have a good map already, or doesn't have site lock fees or doesn't have pictures or isn't working with a great marketing team like Insider Perks. That's certainly going to be something that's going to be head and shoulders above what they have. I think a lot of it too is tracking how sometimes you're going to have to try some of this stuff whether it's Simon's yep. or campground views or whatever else. And then you're going to have to do some very heavy tracking of the clicks and the analytics and the behavior and the results and the ROI from monetary spend and all that kind of stuff. And then you're going to have to say, I've used this for three months, six months, 12 months. It's gotten me this, cut it, or it's gotten me this, keep it. And some of it's just going to require park owners who don't know the answers to these questions for themselves yet to track it and then not waste money, but waste money for three or six months to get that data and determine it. We're always willing to pilot it for a U.S. product. If you need a U.S. product and you want to partner for free, you know, we could be a good old uh, reference. You heard it here first. Record I it. don't know. Do you have any U.S. clients, Simon? We've had a few inbound contacts. We haven't really been pushing it at the moment, but actually the last month or so, I've started reaching out to talk to a few people. And we're actively looking for partners in the U.S. side of things, and that goes across the board. Integration partners, we've talked to a couple of reservation systems and campgrounds is the next step. 
I feel like probably we could help you, Simon, if we saw like a better demo of your product and got to understand it, things like that, right? Because it looks appealing on the surface. And we've got some connections to reservations providers in the United States. Mike obviously runs a really large, soon to be multiple, really large, opened, ground up, really luxury resort developments that would give you a great testimonial piece to it, right? In the States. Kara works for the National Canadian Camping Association, who's always looking for supplier members, which would give you a whole audience in Canada. And then obviously Joe might be interested in integrating some of it into his maps with your API. We've got a developer we just hired who works with APIs too for our marketing company. So I feel like you're talking to the right people, Simon. <laughs> Glad I agreed to join. No, that's fantastic. We're really open to anything at the moment. We're a startup. We have an open mind. We have a big vision. We can't do all of it on our own. And we need to learn from our partners and our users and, our, and things like that. So very welcome to talk a bit more. Yeah, we probably shouldn't conduct personal business on the show live in front of everybody else, but I feel like it would be useful. Like, I would like to have a demo of it. So if you can reach out to me after the show, I'd love to see a demo. And if Mike and Joe or Kara wants to join, then we can all do that at the same time. But team demo. I think it'd be cool. Sure. What else do we have, guys? What else has been happening in the campground industry? I just got, uh, I don't know about what's happening in the campground industry, but we were gone the entire month of June. Camping. And actually, we leave again tomorrow to go camping just for, that's a small weekend. But life's rough, people. Uh, sorry, Kara? said life's rough, hey, Joe. Sometimes. And, and it can be because, like, on the road, I still work. It's just sometimes hard to get as much done as I should be otherwise. But it's things for us. It's things we still do. We have um, clients that we want to visit. We have potential clients that we would like to see as well. And then, in fact, the reason we were on our trip was to go to the Florida Hospitality Conference. And so we're out for a month. In, we had a change of plans that we had to make. And so we ended up staying a little longer. So we had to book really tight timelines. And so in mid-June, I had to call up, we were, we're trying to stay at people that are potential clients. So we're staying at typically nicer places, but it was a Monday afternoon. We were trying to get two days and two of the good experienced places down in Georgia were solid. They couldn't get us in. And so we kind of looked around, Rose found Hilton National RV in Hilton obviously. And it's a new resort. So it's only three months old. So it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And it was fairly open. It was about a third full just because it doesn't have enough people that know about it. Same with Tolona Ridge in Georgia. They've been open for about nine months, another gorgeous resort, but they're easy to get in when they're new. That's one thing I'm seeing is a lot of the newer resorts, they're easy to get into right now. I think that shows that there's a place that they can be upping their game with marketing for the newer resorts. I think, I think if they're that open, there's probably some marketing gains to be made there. It's interesting that you say that, and I know you still have some thoughts, but I just wanted to break in when you're talking about marketing specifically, because sure. we I was having this conversation with somebody else last night, and I'm sure Kara can relate to this too. Like the provincial parks up here in Alberta and BC are packed, but there are a lot of other parks that are busy, but not as busy as they perhaps could be had they have the same awareness that the provincial parks do. There are a lot of people, everybody I talk to in Alberta has no idea there are even private campgrounds in Alberta. But that's a lack of marketing, just like the newer resorts have a lack of marketing, just a lot of other campgrounds do too. Yeah, well, this is a big hurdle for us. We consistently hear, even though the private campground association in Alberta on their social media pages, we constantly get comments from consumers talking about provincial parks and have to consistently say, we are privately owned parks. There, we have nothing to do with those provincial parks. Please connect with these guys. I've had some recent conversations with Alberta Parks about doing a better job of partnering together so that during the reservation process, if consumers are looking to book in a certain park and it's full, I'd love to see us get to a point where, you know, hey, these this park is full, but there are these four private campgrounds within 20 kilometers of here or whatever, just mainly to keep guests out camping. As regardless of where they camp, we want them to go camp. And that frustration where the doctors here for consumers about that capacity, the capacity issue stuffing our public parks, our provincial and national parks risks some disenchantment with guests for sure. Yeah, the provincial parks then also, a lot of them probably have day passes and offer other amenities. And the whole point of having provincial and state parks is for people to go and experience the outdoors. So it's not like it's going against their, their, what they're there for. It yeah. just helps that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, Alberta Parks has been really receptive. I think that's going to be <laughs> undertake. It's going to mean some interesting 
integration stuff that I've been my brain around to. At this point, I don't know if that will come to life or what it will look like, but I would love to see us get to a place where we're more collaborative. Mike, I think you were going to say something before Kara started. Yeah, I think I live my life currently in the world that Joe's describing as we're opening up another three resorts in the next four to six months. And the other resort is now, I guess, a few years old, but went through this and I've probably visited, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 RV parks in the last year and a half of varying age, varying size, varying condition. And clearly we do a lot of marketing and it took us a year or two to ramp up. So even with a lot of marketing, I think it is what we've seen, especially at the older parks is even if the quality is lower, there's such a loyal following of people come back to the same place every year, or they've got a lot of annuals, seasonals that stay, been there for five, 10 years. So I think some of it's like to Kara's point education. I think some of it is as these global booking sites continue to grow where you can like an Expedia, whether it's one of the other. 10 or 15 Campendium or Good Sand or any of these other ones where you can search for a park and look for availability, that will help. But I do think it's, it is just going to be, you know, year to two year ramp time for the new park. And that's what we have built in on our timeframes. And Joe, I've been to that, that, that park you mentioned, obviously it's right by our resort. I've been there a couple of times and we were surprised by the vacancy as well, depending on pricing, depending on marketing, it's a lot of different factors, depending on density of the area, what's, what's the park size. There's just, it's an interesting conundrum. And Brian and I have talked about this a couple of times, trying to figure out when will be the conglomeration of a booking app for RVs, where you can go and put where you want to stay, how many nights and what the parks show up. And so I think that's gotta be the next evolution, you know, of our industry to help with that. I'd be glad to hear your, your hypothesis on that timeline. Honestly, it's really not that hard to do if you have companies like Simon, like CampSpot, like anybody who opens their API. Once those APIs are open, a developer can take them all and put them all together and make it all searchable. So we've been at this for five years, and I would say about four years ago, we started asking reservation vendors to provide an API so we could make the app book like booking from our apps, rebooking more seamless. We also have a bunch of other ideas that can go, that we can do once we have that knowledge, that their information. And so we've been asking for four years for that type of thing. And so now I would say within, so we've been asking them, they say our campground owners aren't asking us for that. I would say in the past year or two, the campground owners are asking us, do you integrate with them? And we said, this is the only thing we can do. We can go out to their website. So you can rebook, you rebook on their website and it link. But now the campground owners are asking for it. They're starting to provide them. CampSpot just has a, a new API that came out. Other vendors are starting to add those on. And then what Mike is talking about with the booking sites, there's Spot Tonight that's they're working on something to make that happen. Book Outdoors is working on something to make that happen. We'll see. It hasn't been released yet. So those are in the works. There's people trying to make it happen. So I think, I don't think the timeline is actually as long as I probably would have thought it was four years ago. When none of the vendors had APIs. And so I didn't know that it would be now. I, I thought I'd probably just take Yeah, it just takes consumer demand and the word integration changes. Four years ago, do you integrate with CampSpot means to us, can you put a button on the web? Of course I can. What are you talking about? Yeah. But now it means API. And so right. it's interesting how that changes too. Back to our previous point. I wasn't saying they're doing a bad job of marketing. We were there on a Monday. Right. Seasonality and time map. So we were there on a Monday. It's summer in Southern South Carolina. And, but I was just saying there's opportunities there, right? Because if the ones that are on par, the similar resorts that are full, there is a marketing opportunity. What it is, I'm not sure. That's Brian's job, but uh, there's definitely one that's there. And the last thing I was going to say about our trip, yeah. unless you want any questions was I sent an email to Mike actually. So we were driving up through Savannah and I saw a sign for the new property. Is it Savannah Oaks? Savannah Lakes. Savannah Lakes. Sorry. And uh, as I was driving, I saw the sign and I said, that branding looks very familiar to me. And so I had, I had Rose look it up and sure enough, it was one of, one of their properties. I thought I, when I said it looked familiar, I thought it was their property, which is, a, it's a different logo, but just enough that you know what brand it's from. And so yeah. it was really like nice. Awareness stuff. Yeah. It's so good. Yep. Well, and I even did it but our design. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take the credit. Hey.
There you go. Brian, sorry I did not CC you on that email of congratulations there. Thank you. Well, that validates my branding speaker cred at the Canadian Outdoor Conference. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely agree. What else is new in Canada, Kara? You haven't been here in a while, so it's coming up to your death. I have no idea what's new. I've been on vacation. I've been checking email since Monday. Not really. I've been digging myself out of a mountainous hole of things since Monday. I'm updating campground listings, left, right, and center, and all of those things, which just tell me, I think some of our operators are maybe using this time that normally the <laughs> few years have been busier to, to look at some of their strategies and edit their listings in various places and things like that. We did have a Canadian camping and RVing week at the end of May that went really well. And uh, we had some political support for that event up here. And now we're prepping for our September celebrations with our camping appreciation weekend in September 9th to the 11th. So several campgrounds signing up to participate for that event. We're raising money for care camps for the, at those events and we're doing various things, but silent auctions and bingos and parties and all kinds of things to raise money. There will be a ramp up of excitement on social media and in our email campaigns and stuff to get more parks involved and start spreading the word to guests to start looking for that weekend after a big Awesome. I guess I'd be remiss to ask you about this. We've had a couple conversations while you were gone on the show about it, Kara, but I'm just curious, how is inflation and everything else impacting parks in Canada? We've talked about it in Europe and we've talked about the States while you were gone, but. I think obviously there's the same things that I'm sure everyone is dealing with. Costs of product, everything you use has gone up. And so that's translating to some park owners I've talked to, talking, re-looking at their rates and things like that, which is a tough conversation to have right now when gas prices are through the roof. And I think that dynamic is interesting too. We have certain areas of this country where Alberta specifically, where the provincial government has been supportive about fuel rebates and removing the provincial portion of the gas taxes and things like that to help ease some of that burden off of Albertans. And so I think we're seeing that translating down into more Albertans camping than maybe in some of the other spots. And so that's probably valuable but overall i think i will i have to say i am i have had several communications in the last few days since i've been back specifically asking me about trying to connect to potential investors and exploring the idea of selling parks and so i don't know i it would be pure speculation for me to say that's in relation to any of this stuff but i think some of that financial burden plus we're looking at the Bank of Canada just in, raised interest rates quite a bit. I'm sure that's impacting some of our members and their bond lines too. So it's a broad issue. I think all of that bloom aside, we do have this really fortunate position in this industry where we have the ability to continue to harness campers long into the future who maybe will just travel with us and, and that will motivate them, I think, to re-strategize campaigns and marketing and stuff like that too, to, to more of a local player or whatever. But I always say of all the people I know, campground owners and operators are the most adaptable, in my opinion, on the planet. And so I have confidence that they'll pivot and do whatever, pivot, that famous word, do whatever it takes to keep rolling. And, and if not, we'll see some sales. I think there's some big shifts happening here, lots of bigger groups looking to purchase some properties, existing properties and develop some new ones. And that's going to change all of this conversation, I think as well. And the way the market goes, that's, that's going to set a lot of consumer expectation for certain things, like just high level kind of resort level expectations. And that has all those waterfall effects. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years, I think in this industry, which it's been an interesting past couple of years, the next couple are going to be fascinating. Always fun and interesting, but yeah, I think adaptable certainly. And to be honest, it, it really fascinates me sometimes going back to marketing just for a second, how varied some of, I, I think the campground industry is one of the most, I don't know, different, if that's the word from one park owner to the next yeah. within their goals and their styles and what they want to do and how they want to deploy it. And all, like we were driving here yesterday, we're up at Lake Shushwap or whatever, which is in BC. And we were driving around seeing all the RV parks. They're literally right on the lake that don't have good entrance signs that don't have appealing entrance ways that could just do a little bit better marketing on the ground and whatever else what? going right here. But I'm not saying they should, 
So this right. is like a whole point. Maybe they but don't want to. It's okay. But they're not motivated to because they're full. They're not motivated to because they're full. So right. they have no no occupancy available. Like they have no sites available. They're it just it's not. There are some great parks right along there that have done some incredible upgrades even in the last ten years. I used to live out that way. So that's been interesting to see for sure. But yeah, a lot of them are happy to do things the good old way because yeah, they're always challenged otherwise. Yeah, they're not motive. They don't have the uh, the environment to push them to do those things because they haven't been challenged, like Mike says. And that may come if things continue to get tough on the inflation front and the fuel price front and the interest rates and all those things. But I hope not. And I have confidence that, like you said, they're super adaptable. We also have this intense level of variability in this industry. So every property is different. Every single operator is different. And I would argue as a former operator myself, every team is different. So I could go from here having this epic service level team that just knocks it out of the park to the next year struggling through that because my team members aren't cohesive or there's a something, there's some kind of, or I'm shorthanded or whatever. So there's so many variables that impact those things. I think challenge is the top motivator for rising <laughs> no question. Simon, do you see these same challenges with the parks you've seen exposure to over the last year or so? I'm sorry, we've been leaving you sitting there in the corner quiet for a minute. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, there's been loads of uncertainty around, but I think here in Croatia, where I am, where most of our customers are at the moment, Northern Italy, they're in such a great position and with such a strong market with the German, the Dutch market, so close driving that I think the impact is much less. Uh, here and it's turning out to be a really strong summer so far. But yeah, in terms of the cost rising and everything else, that's definitely hitting home to the campgrounds. But the occupancy is high and campsites are pretty much full everywhere here. So yeah, uncertainty, but it's camping is delivering again. I've been, and I think the new people camping now and the changes with the glamping and the mobile homes has really helped with that. I think you maybe got a bit of downside from the traditional camper, but then that's been filled in by the new camping generation who are coming now. So we'll see this kind of a lump. It's happened these couple of years. Is it going to keep going up afterwards, going down or staying the same? I don't know. We'll have to see. Seems somehow we always find a way to keep going up. And I think we've got a lot of room to climb here before we have to worry. At least my sense so far of the way things are going. But yeah, I don't, to your point on challenges, just going back to circling back to that for a second, nobody ever wants a recession. Nobody ever wants competition. But maybe if there's one good thing that comes out of both of those, it's the push to be better, more adaptable, change with the times, those kinds of things. Not saying that we want that to make that happen, but sometimes if there's anything good that comes out of that. That's the biggest part where I think Ryan's correct in talking about those parts and what they're doing. If they're sitting on high times now, when there is, and they're not reinvesting at all. When it comes to a low time, now they're down in revenue. They might be up in some of their cost and they now have to go and add those things. That's a terrible time to be trying to ramp that stuff up, have capital improvements on your property when you're in low. That's what I would believe is a terrible time for that. I think a lot of the campgrounds have been, I don't know, lucky or smart, but it was a huge amount of investment, I would say, the last two, three years that I saw mm -hmm. everywhere, every single campground I've been to with the glamping and mobile homes. And that kind of just happened before this dip. So now they're reaping the rewards of that, which is pretty, pretty lucky or smart, one of the two. But yeah, and now everybody is holding back on the investment, taking it easy. Yeah, a bit more cautious, a bit more tighter on the purse strings right now to trade out. I don't blame them one bit. And I think our consumers are doing the same things. I think they're waiting longer to book. They're not working with foreign advance and they're maybe making different choices about distance and all those things. But one thing is for certain is we will, I think, always be folks continue to camp and explore the outdoors and love the lifestyle. And so we're super fortunate. This industry is really, really fortunate. Awesome. All right. We only got a couple minutes left. Anybody have any parting final thoughts that we must hear about? Must see? Simon, now do you want to give your website? Tell people how to get to your product? Yeah. Campmap.com. So yeah, it's all in the name. <laughs> um, yeah. Just Google it. Find us. Yeah. If you 
how did you decide on the branding for that super simple name? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's mis a mystery, pure mystery. You would have thought campmap.com would have already been taken, but barely not. That's I had the idea just before bed one night, and the next morning I got up and checked on GoDaddy. It was a bit expensive, but I bought it, and I'm pretty glad that I did. Because no, now they're much more expensive names yeah. like that. Well, awesome. Anybody else? Final thoughts? No? All right, cool. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I want to thank our sponsor for the show once again, Firefly Reservations. Go check them out if you're looking for a new reservation system, fireflyreservations.com. Really appreciate them being the sponsor of the show. Kara, welcome back. Hopefully you'll be here next week again with me. I really um, struggle without you. Like, I cannot carry a show without you. Shame. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> ever? Really? <laughs> Yeah, I'll be here next week. All right. Awesome. Next week, we've got our RV industry focus show. So really appreciate you joining us again, Mike. Thanks as always from CRR Lifestyle, Joe from At My Community. We missed Sean today from Four Points. He was coming on and off. I think he just had some bad connection issues. So we'll try to reschedule him for a future show. And as a reminder, you can see us all as a podcast after this. Listen, see us, listen as a podcast after this on Google, Spotify, all those kinds of places, Apple. And other than that, really appreciate you joining us and we will see you all next week. Thanks, Ken. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.